Wow. Welcome to probably the best way to experience life with Pete Donaldson without actually being around Pete Donaldson. I'm joined by me, Pete Donaldson, uh, because um, I'm the only one here this week because Chris, Chris Broad is dead. Dead sad that he can't be on the podcast this week because uh, of two reasons, basically. One, he's in Tokyo, he's very busy, he's not in his podcast studio, uh, and I basically royally mugged him off by taking two weeks off, so he couldn't record the podcast for two weeks. I went to Korea, and now I'm back, and it kind of left our schedule in bits. It left our schedule looking like a Venn diagram in which one circle is in one room, and the other circle is outside having a cigarette. So we just could not find a time when we could do the podcast together. So... Next week, we'll be back, me and Chris, doing our thing like good old podcasty boys. Um, we're going to be doing a, a special Korea versus Japan special. But for this week's show, it's basically this. Do you remember when sitcoms in the 90s, like Friends and um, Frasier and the Animaniacs, uh, they used to do clip shows where they'd take uh, the best bits from previous episodes and pretend one of the characters was reminiscing about the past, but really it was just a cheap way to make TV shows without having to pay the actors an extra fee, or a full fee anyway. Uh, they'd usually take place in like writer strikes and when you know there was contractual disputes going on and stuff like that. Anyway... Due to the fact that we know a heck of a lot of you started listening to the Abroad in Japan podcast a couple of weeks ago when uh, Chris mentioned the uh, the existence of the podcast on one of his disgracefully popular YouTube videos on his channel. So we thought that the main body of this week's show could be like a look back at some of the highlights in the first few episodes uh, that you might have missed. Uh, and also I'll, um, I'll, I'll answer a couple of emails uh, that have come into the Abroad in Japan podcast email box where the email is directed mainly at me uh, and not Chris. Uh, and we'll also have a little message from Chris, live, not live, from Tokyo, where he is right now. Uh, so we're going to kick off with a clip from uh, what I think is our fourth or fifth episode. We, we basically survived the Beast from the East, which was a rather aggressive um, chili front starting uh, over in uh, Siberia, I think, uh, in Russia, uh, I think. Um, which basically ground our entire nation to a halt. Nobody could do anything. The Abroad in Japan podcast had uh, just made it to the front of the iTunes page, uh, so we're very happy about that. And Chris decided to tell us all about some dirty, dirty baths. Wow. Well, I think a lot, most Japanese families have their kind of bath in the uh, in the evening. Mm. So, and they have it one by one. So, like you know, the kids will go in, then afterwards the adults go in, and they all use the same water. Oh. They all use the same water, and they have a little lid that they put on top of the bath while all the water's still in it. Keep it warm. So they kind of recycle and reuse the water, yeah. <laughs> Which is either a good or bad thing, depending on your <laughs> your views on hygiene. And then, but, and uh, then they pour it's, out it's the water idea, into their ramen <laughs> to, make the, <laughs> to make their cup noodles for the evening. Wow, that is efficient. How distasteful. <laughs> uh, I mean, Literally. yeah, I... I used to in the winter months. I used to sit in my uh, in my bath in my apartment, mm. and because my I couldn't afford like heating, and it was so damn cold. <laughs> and my you, I didn't really have a decent heating system because uh, most apartments and houses don't have like central heating in Japan. They just use a kerosene heater or right. an air conditioning unit, which mm. is I, what I'm using now, an aircon mm. that switches into a heater. Right. Uh, so I used to use my bath as a way of staying warm and not dying of like hypothermia. <laughs> so I just sit in my bath, scrunched up. 
like in a ball because I couldn't actually have my legs going fully out because it was quite a, a short <laughs> bath. But it's really weird, you know. Yeah, you're that is a little bit submerged <laughs> and, up to your and, neck in water, but you can't stretch out. And then the family from next door would come in and use the water, and it'd be just wonderful. <laughs> when I look back at my time in my first, I've lived in I think three Japanese apartments now, and I look back at it all pretty favourably. Mm. Like my first apartment, which I put in my first ever video. Uh, I liked it. It was quite cool. It wasn't that big. It was you just have one room where you have your kitchen and your washing machine stuff with the bathroom built on, and then the main room, which is the sitting room, is also your bedroom. Right. So every night when I'd come home from work and have to roll out my futon, which obviously you sleep on a futon mm. in most apartments in Japan, uh, sleeping on the floor is actually quite pleasant. It I might sound bad, like to people in the UK you think oh the floor, but actually. Uh, <laughs> I slept really well. For the three years I slept on I don't know why, I don't know what the magic behind it was, given that the futon was only about three inches thick. Uh, it was surprisingly comfortable, and I slept very well on it. When I've used, in like a rear kind of something, when I've used like a little futon, it was just like a rolled out, kind of thin duvet, yeah. really. It's not really anything, there's no support there, and a tatami mat underneath. I've slept better than That's I've right. slept anywhere. It's incredible. Like, we, we in the West, I think, we're kind of, like, cajoled, mainly because, I guess, you know, in, in the podcast game <laughs> specifically, we get advertised uh, mattresses all the time. We're told that, you know, the squishiest mattress is the better, this and that. But when you actually get down to it, it's mm. such a rich, lovely sleep, sleeping on the floor. I don't know what it is. I think it's the idea of sleeping on the floor is quite comforting. Mm. I don't know. Matt, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, <laughs> sleeping on the because f- you can't fall out of bed. There's no <laughs> risk of that ever happening. You're such a drunk. You just sort of roll out onto the floor. Yeah, <laughs> always reverts to falling out of things. But like, there's something quite comforting about yeah. you, know, you can roll over and not fall out. But uh, I slept well. The only downside to my apartment was my kitchen. Japanese kitchens are fantastically, tragically small, mm. uh, and I. I had to use my ironing board as kitchen space. For three years, my ironing board <laughs> stood in the kitchen next to the sink. And I used to, like, prepare all my food on it. It was quite a surreal wow. experience. But I liked it. Did you- I felt... Like I was in a movie or something. Did you have like a situation? <laughs> Whenever something where... bad happens, just just make it feel like you're in a movie. It, it feels like a movie. Like... A sad like movie, a movie, a happy movie, <laughs> a movie when I get a disease, <laughs> when a man gets a disease movie. from you eating off a, eating <laughs> off an ironing board. The uh, actually, to be honest, I've got like an apartment, you know, with with three rooms: a kitchen, a front room, a, a bedroom, and a bathroom. Obviously, um, I use my ironing Luxury. board as a projector stand. So when I'm in bed, I can watch as a projector stand. <laughs> Yeah, just to watch a bit this of Netflix. Is, Lovely old job. I think I think we've uncovered a whole new market for ironing boards. <laughs> it really like, is. It should be rebranded as like some sort of unique item. Although <laughs> I guess we're just using them as tables, so <laughs> it's not I'm, quite that special, is it? The, the I think the Japanese word for iron might actually be iron. Now. Try to hold it. Iron. Iron, yeah. Iron. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, that, that's just, you know, how the, how the, uh, how the R's and L's get um, pronounced out there. But, like, trying to order that, uh, over hotel, <laughs> um, through the hotel <laughs> phone system, iron. Iron? Iron. Iron die. <laughs> you say, like, iron die. Iron die. Iron die. It means, like, yeah, it means, like, iron board. Uh, <laughs> 
iron. <laughs> I just couldn't. Do, but the one thing <laughs> that is very exciting, if you're a Westerner, um, the iron that is probably <laughs> most popular in Japanese hotels, um, they're all wireless. So you've got a little stand that plugs into the wall. Um, you, you put it on the stand for a bit, and then you take it off, and it's completely wireless. Oh, you could iron something in the next room. Now Chris. you say that. Well, you say that like it's a good thing, but I actually had a problem with that a few months ago. I made a video actually called like uh, "Day in My Life in." Tokyo and I went to Tokyo mm. to win some sort of award on stage and before the award I had to go and get I had to put on a nice shirt and I mm. pulled the shirt out of my bag it was crumbled it looked dreadful and I was like no problem I'll iron it and I called in the iron uh, <laughs> and the iron. Uh, then I couldn't I, it took me two hours to work out how to use it by which point <laughs> I was screwed because I had to go down to the award ceremony so I went I had to wear a jumper in the end to hide the uh, the tragically <laughs> terrible shirt uh, so Damn the wireless irons of Japan. Damn them all to hell. Uh, emails. Uh, it's probably time to d- sort of wrap up and do some emails before we uh, chip off. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, as always, it's abroad in Japan podcast at gmail.com. That's abroad in Very Japan. Name. <laughs> abroad in Japan podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, obviously, this week we're talking about space, and you guys have kind of you've kind of led the jury a little bit. You've led the uh, you've led the courtroom. You've started talking about how small uh, some of your uh, apartments have been. Uh, is that right, Chris? Yeah, we got a story. One of my favourite emails that you guys sent in was a, a girl called Emic in, uh, I think, Hiroshima. She says, Just a funny thing happened to me in my small one-room apartment. In, I went away for three days on a trip to Hiroshima, and when I returned, I had a strong odour hit my face as I walked in the door and quickly realised it was soy sauce. What? I thought maybe a soy sauce container spilled, but no. Soy sauce was seeping out of the walls <laughs> from above the stove. I've included pictures, and she has, and they're horrible. Um, <laughs> so just she soy continues, sauce coming out of the there walls. Was, <laughs> like a horror There was film. so much, it was like an ocean of soy sauce. I called the apartment <laughs> owner, but they never got back to me. But it never happened again. Oh. Like, what a, that's, that's ridiculous. And the pictures are horrible. It's, she's just got a stove, and then just this, like, the wall is just covered in, like... Soy sauce. soy sauce. Yeah, that's uh, horrible. Oh, I, so it's, it's that hasn't uh, ever happened to me. No, so. I mean, is Emic? Uh, I thought Emic was a like a shortening of Emmerich, the German male name. So if it's a girl, it's a girl. Um, I know soy sauce has a smell. So Emic here, she's. Um, <laughs> She's inferring here that she never licked the wall. Now, I'm calling bullshine on that. Oh, she clearly God. licked the wall. She clearly licked the soy sauce off the wall to know it was soy sauce. All right? That's what I'm putting out there, oh, Mick. Uh, no, no judgment. <laughs> I would do the same. But you did lick that wall. Admit it. Wow. But this show's not just about uh, familial, unsanitary bond forming and bathing rituals. Uh, we also have amazing facts. Uh, Chris gave us, like, a billion amazing facts on one episode, and here are some of them now. Oh, and a bit of useful vocabulary as well for, for when you uh, want to express surprise at something without just screaming Sugoi or just the word shit. Wow. Amazing fact number four. Uh, in <laughs> Japan, it's <laughs> so seamless. In Japan, it's acceptable, right, to take a nap even during work hours. Ah, inemuri. Yeah. Inemuri, it's called, yeah. Inemuri. And you, I used to do it. I felt really awkward and weird. Like I'd teach like two classes in the morning, mm. and I'd often be pretty tired at that point or maybe even hungover. Not that. I probably shouldn't have said that by well. So I might have been... <laughs> it's all right, you're, would, out uh, the, you're out of the business now, Chris, it's fine. Yeah, I'm not in the business anymore. Not in the teaching game. No. But I 
they had like a little room around the back of the staff room. You right. go in there, and there's a tatami mat floor and a little pillow, and you oh. go in there and you can like lay down and have a sleep. But, but I, we you... felt really bad about it. Yeah, would you be sleeping with other people? Would they be next to you? Could you could well, you spoon them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get like. Yeah, you, you, like, wake up and turn over, and there'd be another teacher just, like, <laughs> laying there snoring a few metres away in this little tatami mat room. It's so surreal. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, it's quite a nice idea. I'm actually... It is. Like, Japan's work policies are, like, not good in terms of overtime, but that is... It's actually one of the good things they have. Although, we... In our staff room, we had, like, 100 teachers. I, I worked in this... It must have been the biggest... Uh, I think it was the biggest senior high school in North Japan that I worked at. Yeah. So we had a lot of teachers, and there was you, of, you often get teachers who sit at their desk and just fall asleep and nod yeah. off. So you'd look up, and you'd hear, like, <laughs> from across the other side of the room, some muppet falling asleep, snoring. And <laughs> none of the other teachers, because everyone's so polite, none of the other teachers would go over and right. wake him up. So this guy would just be there snoring for hours on end. Oh, no, and I didn't want to be the one who goes over and be like, Oi, what are you doing, mate? And, like, prod him with a stick or something. <laughs> what with being the, uh, the outsider. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a bit of a... That was, that was a, a daily conundrum I faced by the that snoring is, teacher. That is a little strange. <laughs> that, that is quite strange. I mean, uh, what I would um, venture is that if you uh, go to any um, nightclub or any bar, um, people have a little five-minute snooze, little siesta... And then they're up, up and about again, and they, and they, you know, they, they continue their evening, which I think should be introduced in every nightclub uh, around the world. I've tried doing that mm. myself in England, and um, yeah, the bouncers don't like that kind of jazz. To be honest, they, uh, they're very much uh, no nonsense when it comes to throwing me out when I fall asleep in a nightclub. But you see it all the time in Japanese uh, bars and Japanese nightclubs. But work-wise, yeah, they let it go. Work-wise, work, work I think um, a little siesta in the middle of the day, especially if you've had a he- heavy night the uh, night before, um, is a really good idea. Like, I'm so much more productive, because I'm freelance, I sort of, you know, start work at mm. various hours. I work very late, but sometimes there'll be an early start, like this morning I to go and watch a bloody film, which sounds like a nice thing, but not at like nine o'clock in the morning, and when the film's not very good, it's oh, ten times God, worse. Yeah. Um, who watches a film at nine in the morning? And uh, yeah, and I always have a little uh, quarter of an hour siesta uh, in the afternoon. It's uh, it, it it doesn't take that much to get back on back on top, really. A little quarter of an hour, a little twenty minutes, beautiful. I love a good nap, especially oh. after lunch. Yeah, huge especially after lunch, huge. Which takes us on to fact number five. <gasps> <laughs> which is, in Japan, you, uh, I think you know this because you've been here loads, right? Which is you, you eat until you're 80% full. Incorrect, You don't Chris. stuff yourself. I eat be- all the food. <laughs> I <It's>, feel <laughs> terrible. You do. And it's, it's like common courtesy, right, to uh, leave a bit of food on the plate. Because uh, food typically comes on little plates, Yeah, uh, it kind of makes that easier to do. But uh, it means that uh, people, people think this is one of the reasons Japanese have, like, live long lives, because they don't overeat. Whereas we get a big plate, right, in the UK, covered yeah. in stuff, covered in like five varieties of food, all jumbled together that we mm. eat, and then we want more. Uh, because of little plates, we, they eat a lot less, so they, they don't ever die. I think if you, if you know your Japanese, you'll know this fact. This is, this is a, a fact <laughs> for people that don't know their Japanese. But yeah, months don't have any names in Japan. Wow. It's a much more practical system. It's just month number one, month number two, month number three. Ah. Ichigatsu, nigatsu, sangatsu. Uh, so Gatsu presumably means month. Yeah, yeah, Gatsu's month, and then we just add a number in front, and off you go. Nigatsu, yeah. Sangatsu. Once you know your numbers, you can do a lot of things in Japanese, actually. Yeah, numbers are the key. Cool. They use numbers, numbers a lot more key. practically. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, for example, uh, Shigatsu is uh, is spring, and in spring ah. there's a festival, right, called the the penis festival. What? <laughs> That's fact number eight. Holy moly! Da, da, da. Another great, another great way in there, right? Uh, <laughs> why did I? Why did I think this was a good idea to connect things? To I'm enjoying it. I'm and, enjoying it. I'm a DJ by trade. I'm enjoying oh, these God. links. To be honest, it's um, it's very, it's very clever. Um, <laughs> but you know, this, so I think uh, this is another one a lot of people know about. But I thought I'd bring it up just because people don't, and it still has that kind of shock factor. And that is, mm. there is a fertility festival in uh, in april in the city of kawasaki and they basically parade a massive <laughs> uh, have you seen it a massive phallus I've through the streets of like kawasaki of it. there was a guy um, who worked for radio one who went out there to celebrate it with them but uh yeah it's um it's not sexy as you think it might be <laughs> it's actually quite um well, it's actually quite workmanlike <laughs> it's a little bit creepy yeah i mean it started in 1969 um and it's kind oh, of it's um they've got loads of like toys and sweets and vegetables and i say vegetables like carved vegetables look at look at the photos of this stuff it's amazing <laughs> uh, but the worst image of like they have a, a penis in the shape of a uh, when i say phallus not penis that's 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 gonna have to tick the explicit box and i cheat oh no they have a phallus uh, which is a lollipop a lollipop <laughs> lick that lollipop just talking wow. about it makes me feel uncomfortable to be honest but if you type in some type in like this festival into mm. google and uh, you'll see some pretty unsavory pictures of like kids <laughs> with these lollipops and it oh, will no. make you feel super uncomfortable that is disastrous but I've been, like, people have asked me to go for years they're like oh chris go to the go to the penis festivals like how about no i don't want Im- <laughs> i don't want imagery of children holding dodgy lollipops on my videos there's a um, there's a penis museum in um iceland and it's just right. um penises of the world and the animal kingdom and stuff like that so you know you've got from from the from the great sperm whale uh, oh. excuse my term of turn of phrase there uh, to the smallest um, little field mouse um there's penises there's basically all penises and formaldehyde and stuff like that there's even donated penises from men who've uh, sadly oh, passed away who basically say uh, the, the, but the, the, the inscriptions next and to you've definitely been to this museum right i've been to them i bought a lollipop of course you fucking i have. bought a penis lollipop oh. i yeah uh, i actually um, you know those little um those little uh, room cleaners those little uh there's little hoovers that are like robots. Those little circular things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they go around. I set one off in the penis museum. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I saw one under a table, what? and I booted the start. I booted the start button, and it just started going around the penis museum. I was like, "Oh, I need to leave now. <laughs> I've done something terrible." That is a. That's a great thing to have on your bucket list. Trigger yeah. a robotic Hoover in a penis museum in Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> what a great uh, thing on your to-do list. Not bad, is well, it? I, bad. I'd love to go to Iceland. Uh, it's on my hit list, and that yeah. is definitely not going to be on my list of things I do when I go, I can assure you. <laughs> you um, Especially I, a bit about the Hoover. I did accidentally eat, um, it was like a kind of it's like Icelandic kind of, um, I know this is a broad Japan, but we're, just, we're, we're popping into Iceland briefly, Reykjavik. Well, we've um, covered the geopolitical situation of France, we're not all into Iceland. Know, right? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I, I had like one of those starters where you eat like, uh, I didn't realise, but it had like whale, it had shark in there, <laughs> had all of like the bad things you should never eat, puffins. Right. Um, and I was, oh, I was oh, you know, chowing down to a bit of um, fetid shark, because there's a shark that they bury for like um 30 days and it becomes rotten and they carve off the fat and it smells oh, like a God. bin it smells like a bin it's disgusting 
Uh, right. It tastes even worse. It's very bouncy and chewy. Ugh. But we've learned some surprising facts. So I thought for this week's vocabulary, speedy Japanese lesson, we're diving yeah. into some words for surprised and amazed. Oh, cool. I've only got three this week. I'll keep it short and simple. Mm. Uh, you probably know the first one. The first one is amazing. What do you think amazing is in Japanese? I mean, this is used li- all the word time. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sugoi. Sugoi. Sugoi ne. Yeah. Sugoi. <laughs> I. This word, I think we talked about it in the last video, didn't we? How superficial yeah. it can be when people are mm. like, it's amazing, just by everything that happens. Uh, but yeah, learn Sugoi and you can instantly understand like 10% of Japanese television. Yeah, It's a definitely. fantastic word. What about the slightly less kind of amazing word for, what about great? Oh, great. You kind of go, oh, wow, that's great. Uh, with, sort uh, of, with less impact than Sugoi. Um, Subarashi. Subarashi. That's a nice yeah. word. That's, that's like one of the lot. first few words you learn. That's Subarashi. One of the first kind of thing. Yeah, Subarashi. Ah. Subarashi. It's like, oh, that's great. Wow, it's great. Splendid. I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm remember that by remembering <laughs> the car brand Subaru. Subarashi. Yes, yes. I think that's how I did it as well. And <laughs> the last one, you've, been, you've obviously been surprised as well as amazed by these... These incredible facts. Yeah, I know. Uh, right? What is the <laughs> what is the verb for <laughs> surprised to be surprised? Not a clue. I'm not even going to venture this one. It's uh, bikuri, bikuri. So you kind of go, oh, bikuri shimasta, uh, bikuri shimasta. I was, I was amazed. Bikuri. It's kind of like the. It's kind of like to be shocked and amazed. It's kind of like right, that okay. kind of amazement. Yeah. Oh, bikuri. bikuri shimasta. I was, I was surprised. I was shocked. Kind of thing. Ah. Yeah. Amazing fact, I'm sure you will agree. Hey, look at this. Here's Chris Broad, uh, host of this channel and this podcast, uh, with a little message you recorded for the show, for this week's show. I don't actually know what he said, because I'm recording this before he's actually sent it, but uh, I'm sure it's very pertinent and descriptive and uses metaphor and uh, analogy and um, other devices. Here he is. You know, you'd think when you sit down and talk to someone every single Wednesday for two hours on a podcast, you would coordinate your schedule with them. And yet, because Pete and I are both absolute muppets, we awkwardly timed our trips this week, making it difficult to record together. I'm currently running around Tokyo, and Pete's been everywhere from Korea to Japan to the UK. So apologies for not being here properly this week, guys. But given that both Pete and I have been to Korea recently for the first time ever, next week we'll be sitting down to discuss our thoughts on how Korea compares to Japan. Uh, I mean, I treated my trip to Korea as some kind of Darwinian scientific expedition, and my iPhone notes are littered with intricate observations about the culture that I will share with you all next week. Uh, And in the meantime, I recently featured in a new video on the YouTube channel called Tokyo Creative Play, where I debated various aspects of life in Japan with my good Australian friend Emma. Uh, In fact, the video is the reason I'm in Tokyo, amongst other things. But stick Tokyo Creative into YouTube, and the video should come up. It's called Which is Better, Japanese Wagyu Beef or Sushi? We also discuss where's the best place to live in Japan and our favourite places to travel. So be sure to check it out. Uh, But for now though, guys, I'm looking forward to sitting down with you all next week and having a good old chat. Uh, But for now, let's dive back into some Abroad in Japan podcast highlights. Thank you, Chris Broad. Literally the reason we're here. And um, as he probably said during that message, we will be back next week, same time, same place, uh, doing a Korea versus Japan special. 
Uh, not in a political way, let's make that very clear. There's been quite enough of that over the last few hundred years. We'll mainly be talking about ice cream because we're the Abroad in Japan podcast, that's what we do. Here's some more best of fun, guys. The last time I used a love hotel uh, must have been, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, but it was a horrible memory and mm. it put me off love hotels altogether. What? It was, it was in Shibuya, actually. It was in Shibuya, the love hotel district, the massive one we discussed earlier. Mm. Uh, if you if you are in Tokyo, the top two love hotel districts are in Shibuya and Shinjuku. Mm. Shinjuku. Uh, if, if you're a listener, or Pete, if you want to do it, yeah. Pete, you know, <laughs> relax in a love hotel. <laughs> uh, but the one, yeah, I went to Shibuya and we checked in, and I had a shower in the evening. Found a nice post, a pre going to sleep shower, mm. and I saw a cockroach in the hot tub. There was a hot tub in this in this room quite a big room but it felt quite old and dusty and smoky it wasn't very pleasant and I saw a cockroach in the bath and I was uh. like oh shit that's, that's never a good thing I hate cockroaches they scare the hell out of me um, <laughs> but I didn't tell the person I was with I didn't tell them about the cockroach I was like They'll, they won't be able to sleep if they know it's in the bathroom so I'll just I won't tell them what a hero the anyway a hero definitely <laughs> um, and uh, the, the cockroach kind of scuttled away down the drain so I was like well probably the last we've seen that little rascal anyway uh, uh, and then we went to sleep and the next morning woke up about 7 8 a.m and i had another shower because i always start my day with a shower i love showers showers are brilliant mm. lots of showers and i <laughs> <laughs> i went in the shower and i heard an ear-piercing scream uh from the person i was with and i like went out the shower and they were standing out of the bed, and they pointed, and the cockroach was on the pillow uh, that had been where my head had been. And I was like, are you kidding? Are you? I've, I've literally slept with a cockroach by my face. And I was absolutely disgusted by this. Uh, so that put me off love hotels. But don't let that stand in the way of you going to a love hotel. No. Don't let that stop you. It's it was only that time. It's a feature, a if anything. <laughs> Maybe if Ooh. you can't, maybe if your credit card doesn't work, maybe the cockroach has a credit card you could use instead. I once worked at a zoo for a year, Chris, and we had hissing cockroaches. <laughs> Do you work at a zoo? I worked in a zoo for an entire year uh, at wow. university. Uh, I was there to make a, a CD-ROM, something you probably don't even remember existing. Uh, but it if was there's a uh, list of top five <laughs> things I wouldn't expect someone to do at a zoo. I'd be like number one or two. What the de- what? The- Making a CD-ROM at a zoo. Yeah, I was supposed <laughs> to be doing that, and instead I just spent all of my time just hanging out with the gibbons, and I, you know, started my, uh, <laughs> my, my lifelong love affair with gibbons. Oh, man, I love gibbons. But we used to have, in the education centre, we used to have hissing concro- cockroaches that if you touch them, they would go... <laughs> Which is spooky. I, I don't know what I'm laughing at more. The idea of you making a CD at Rob, the idea of you with the gibbons, <laughs> or the fact you just pronounce cockroaches conkroach. Conkroach. <laughs> Conkroaches uh, encroaching on your pillow. <laughs> Pete so in the yes. zoo. Incredible. So we've talked uh, festivals, we've talked uh, Japanese love hotels, uh, we've talked uh, bathing rituals. There's been a lot in this best of, to be quite frank. Uh, what I'm going to do now is to uh, wrap it all up, is uh, to basically read the email section, the email box, uh, a podcast at gmail.com, uh, for a couple of emails uh, in which the fulcrum of the answer rests on my shoulders, if indeed a fulcrum can rest on anything uh, or a shoulder. Uh, it starts uh, this email from, I've uh, muffed it up already, I've got 
forgot the name, but thank you for this person. You know who you are. Hi, Chris and Pete. Uh, this is a question for Pete, really. As you're a big wrestling fan, I was just wondering if you liked New Japan Pro Wrestling. Have you been to watch it live in Japan? How easy is it to get tickets? We've been told you buy tickets from the supermarket. Is this true? As we are planning to visit next September and want to go. Thanks, guys. I wouldn't say I was a big wrestling fan, but... Um, for another podcast, uh, I may as well give it a plug. Wrestle me, basically, me and a friend uh, are going through and watching all of the old WrestleManias. I don't know anything about wrestling. He knows everything about wrestling, and it's basically me just lifting up a wrestling rock and going, "What the hell is going on here? It's weird. It's strange, but I kind of like it." Um, so uh, I did go and see a um, New Japan show in Kurokan Hall, obviously uh, an arena in um, I think it's North Tokyo, a very, very uh, respected uh, a part, uh, respected uh, hall. Uh, where a lot of uh, boxing, professional wrestling, kickboxing, MMA matches uh, have taken place at home back in the 60s. Um, the capacity is around about 2,000 people, I think. And it was amazing. It was a really, really fun show. Um, there, there was a wrestler on. I, I couldn't tell you which wrestlers were there, uh, apart from Taka, who I think used to wrestle in the WWE. Uh, he had a really offensive walk-on uh, montage. Um, basically, him with a load of like rock music. And, and it was like, Taka is coming, motherfucker! Unnecessarily sweary uh, for a Japanese audience who, I guess, the word MF probably doesn't um, connect quite so harshly. Uh, there was also a wrestler who came on whose gimmick was um, an acoustic guitar like the Honky Tonk Man back in the day but uh, he would also uh, give a braid of his hair away every now and again uh, so this bloke who was with his little baby daughter um, was trying to get this wrestler to take a braid out of his hair to give to his daughter the daughter wasn't bothered let's make that very clear but the man was really into this wrestler uh, and so this guy's uh, walk-on uh, the walk-on music had to, repeat, had to be repeated like three or four times because this guy could not get the braid out of his hair because it was just a pain in the bum. It's a really weird gimmick, giving away bits of your hair, I think. Anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, buying tickets... To be honest, we went down to Kurgan Hall uh, during the um, during the late afternoon. Tickets were available. I think like um, the special ringside seats were about um, eight thousand yen, and we just had standing ones, which were perfectly fine. Give you a great um, vantage point. You could see the whole crowd. It was great, um, and that was about uh, twenty five hundred yen, um, so not too shoddy. And we just bought them on the day. Uh, maybe with the more popular shows, you need to uh, pre-book. I think the the Kurgan uh, Hall or the um, New Japan website is pretty good uh, for English speakers and also uh, yeah you do buy a lot of tickets at the supermarket I'm sure Chris will be able to fill us in next week about that but uh, they, they do have those little machines and you can uh, buy um, like the Ghibli Museum and stuff like that you can buy uh, tickets for that but the problem is a lot of the machines are all in Japanese and it's quite hard to figure out but I'm sure they'll be getting better I'm sure they will be getting better hello to Mike um, I'm from the UK I live in Hong Kong I've uh, visited Japan five times since I watched uh, Chris's channel for the first time five years ago so averaging a trip a year, it seems. Uh, I'm going to Japan next week for Fuji Rock Festival. I've been to festivals in the UK before, such as Reading Festival and Glastonbury. Uh, I was wondering what you guys think about music festivals in Japan and if you've ever been before. Well, I haven't been, but uh, speaking to um, bands, really, people like uh, um, Noel Gallagher and Franz Fernand and stuff like that, uh, the uh, Blossoms, they call them The Blossoms, they're just Blossoms, Stockpot's finest. Um, they always get a kick out of playing there. Pretty much everyone who's ever uh, who I've ever um, sort of interviewed, because I'm a bit of a Japanophile, I always sort of go, oh, what's, it, what's Japan like? What's it? like playing you know in in in, in to tokyo and stuff like that. how cool is that um and they all say it's blooming brilliant but the crowds are really strangely like respectful during the song and then at the end of the song they all sort of politely applaud um but people who have been a few fuji rocks um the weather it's gonna rain 
because it's Japan and it's very uh, mountainous. It's a beautiful place to watch uh, music, but it will rain uh, because it just rains a lot in that part of the world. But again, it's it's kind of warm, kind of rainy. You dry off quite quickly as well. Just make sure you you pitch your tent properly, I suppose. Uh, there are like female only areas and stuff where, for 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 women who are. Uh, camping solo or camping together uh, to just camp uh, in a place they can do themselves. Uh, there's onsens, uh, onsens, and uh, it's just a beautiful place to watch music, apparently. Uh, so that's what I've been hearing. A uh, lot of people emailing in about Chris's American accent, saying that mine needs a little bit of work. I'm very, very upset. But conversely, I'm less upset about the fact that pretty much every email or every other email uh, is from a, either a professional cyclist or a, a person who knows their cycling uh, and basically just uh, recommended padded pants for Chris's upcoming cycle ride, which really makes me giggle. Chris at the moment is just a man inundated with um, basically recommendations about padded pants, which I'm enjoying immensely. Uh, finally for now, John Fleet. Hello, John Fleet. Uh, hi, Chris and Pete. Big fan of the podcast and the show. I'm presuming he means the uh, Broad Japan Video Challenge. is very good indeed. My girlfriend and I are travelling to Tokyo for two weeks at the end of October slash start of November and we were watching, or rather wondering, because that's a different word, wondering what advice you have on getting the best of the Halloween celebrations. We've heard that uh, mass costume crowds assemble in different parts of the city and on different days. Where do you think we should go and when? We'll be staying near Shinjuku so I can travel quite easily. Now, I've done two, maybe three Halloweens in Japan. It's bloody brilliant. I recommend the Tokyo Decadence Party, which is half a bit sexy and half a bit weird and 100% Halloween-y. It's great. It's usually um, Dekabazi, I think, is the company that run it. And it's just an incredible party. Uh, and everyone's dressed amazingly. Um, and, the you know, the cosplay is just, you know... Japan, they're just good at cosplay. Uh, and also, um, just in the streets, drinking um, booze from the Konbini. Shibuya, just walk around Shibuya, all the way from Yogi Park. Park? <laughs> Yogi Park, check out the Yogi Park. Ch- Yogi Park, um, everything down from there to Shibuya is just people, people, people. And that goes for um, Halloween itself. The day before, if it's a weekend, or the day after, if it's a weekend, uh, and also uh, a couple of days during the week as well. You cannot avoid Halloween in the Shibuya district, it seems. And uh, I'm sure Chris, um, who has a slightly different opinion about uh, Shibuya and uh, the surrounding environs, uh, he doesn't necessarily like it as much as I do. But uh, I'm a boozer. What are you going to do? Uh, there are a few people complaining about the fact that I talk about, a dr- about drinking too much on the, on the show. I'm not complaining, just basically worrying about my health. I work Monday through Thursday, and then I work Sundays, and I can't drink on any of those days, so I don't drink at home. Everything's fine with the live-lives, the liver, um, I think, I hope. Uh, and so I'm fine, yeah? All right? It's just like a party. So that's why I go on holiday. I go on holiday at a party. For me, it's just a good time, Japan. For Chris, that's what he calls life, all right? Um, thank you for uh, listening this week. Um, it's been a bit of a weird podcast, obviously, but I hope you enjoyed the uh, best of bits. I certainly enjoyed uh, listening to them again because it seems like a lifetime ago uh, we were sort of in the same room doing stuff. Chris will be back next week. I will be back next week, and we're going to be doing a big, fat, lovely Korea versus Japan special and it's going to be magnificent and also some other stuff as well so uh, we'll see you then thank you for listening tell your friends uh, give us an iTunes review apparently that's important I didn't know uh, and drop us a, an email at abroadinjapanpodcast uh, at gmail.com we'll be back next week um, I can't remember how Chris ends the podcast he's got this spiel down pat but I can't remember what it is because I don't pay attention sayonara bye jamatani bye